0: to know that we serve an excellent god an excellent savior who is worthy to be praised if you're at home just put he's excellent in the chat just put jesus is excellent he is worthy of our praise if you don't mind let's just give a virtual amen to our praise team we thank them for warming our hearts to be able to receive god's word this evening Friends of mine, I'm excited once again to be right back here with you on a Wednesday night as we give you our fourth installment of our teaching series entitled Signs. And what we've been talking about for the last several weeks is how we can discern God's will, God's purpose, and God's plan for our lives. And I believe that God has a direct word for somebody tonight. So do me a favor as you do each week. We ask for your participation, so I need you to be an electronic evangelist, be an Apple apostle. If you're still under the Android anointing, you can still help too. If you're on Facebook, just just take a minute and just hit that share button a few times. If you don't mind, tag somebody in the message. If you're watching on YouTube, just copy that link, text it to two or three people that you just know need a little encouragement tonight, and that's what they're going to be able to receive from the Word of God once again tonight. So do me a favor as we jump into the Word. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin together at verse number 24 as we pick up on our sign for tonight. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. And this evening, I want to talk a little bit more directly to your personal spiritual journey. There's something that God wants to say to us tonight. Matthew 6 and verse 24. Jesus speaking teaches something very, very critical. He says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and he will despise the other. Tonight, saints, I want to talk to you about a different sign tonight. I want to talk about what it means to understand a one-way sign. And we want to talk specifically about living life in a single direction so let's pray together father my prayer once again is that in this little while that you would say much father i'm praying that you would speak to our spiritual journey that you would give us instruction about the road ahead so father i pray that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Christ that we pray. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. So tonight, as we start talking about what it means to function on a one-way street, Let's give a definition as we do each and every week. So when you encounter a one-way sign, there's some specific things that want you to do. On a one-way street, drivers encountering a one-way sign must travel in the direction that the sign is pointing. Drivers must not travel in the opposite direction of the one-way sign due to the risk of a head-on collision. And I need us to understand something, saints, that the path to eternal life, it is a one-way street. And the thing I want somebody to understand is that God wants your whole life to be moving in an intended direction. But I need you to understand that on this straight and narrow path, it's not a six-lane highway. It's a one-way path. And if you move in the opposite direction, you could wind up in a collision with temporary life when God wants you on a path to eternal life. And see, as we unpack this tonight, I want you to see what it means to live your life in a single direction. In fact, the first thing I need you to get tonight is that the only thing worse than living for Satan is trying to live for Christ and Satan at the same time. In other words, saints, I need you to get this, that you can be happy living in the world, and you can have great happiness living for Christ, but guess what, you have no happiness when you're trying to do both at the same time. I need you to understand that these entities are so at odds that when I try to merge them, I create a civil war in my own life's experience. And see, there are times where we understand or where we're frustrated why my spirituality won't really take root. And it's because I'm introducing my own conflict when I try to live toward heaven and toward the world simultaneously. I need you to understand that it will not work. The two entities will always be rejecting each other. They'll always push one another apart. And you'll find yourself functioning with a plateau of joy and a plateau of contentment when you try to do both at the same time. In other words, I need you to realize, saints, that you cannot support rivals. Let let me say it this way. You, You can't root for Auburn and Alabama at the same time. Uh, You you just can't root for the Red Sox and the Yankees at the same time. Uh, You you cannot root for the Lakers and the Celtics at the same time. I mean, these entities are rivals. You you cannot support them at the same time. And in the same way, you cannot support the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness at the same time. In fact, Jesus put it this way, what, what fellowship is there between light and darkness? Like what what commonality is there between Christ and Belial? In other words, they are so ardently opposed to one another, you can never make rivals get along. You can never make them be at peace. You can never allow them, they will never get along. And so you've got to get to a place where you choose one or the other. In fact, we see this laid out in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus gives this message to the church of Laodicea. He says, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, he says, I wish, listen, saints, I wish that you were cold or hot. But he says, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, I need you to get how epic that statement is. Because to be lukewarm is at least a little bit more uh, warmer than to be cold. But God says, I would rather you be hot or cold. In other words, he's saying, I can do something with somebody that's cold. He says, those who are hot are already on my side. But he says, I can't do anything with a lukewarm believer. And see, I need you to understand that even in my home, I tell my kids all the time that they can do it wrong. They can make a mistake, but they can't do it with indifference. In other words, the one thing that we don't allow, we allow mistakes, Guess what? You can do the wrong thing, but you just can't do it with indifference. And I need you to know the same thing functions in the spiritual realm. I need you to know there's grace for when you mess up. Listen, his grace is sufficient for when you do the wrong thing. But the one thing that will never work in Christ is indifference. You you cannot do it halfway. You cannot do it some of the time. It will never be impactful until you make it up in your mind to say, I'm going all the way in or I'm going all the way out. Let let me say this again, saints. Like I need you to know I'm not going to be a part-time believer. If I'm going to hell, I need you to know I'm going with gasoline clothes on. In other words, if I'm going, listen, I ain't going to church. Like, I ain't going to sing no hymns. I ain't going to fake the funk. Listen, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to live my best life knowing that it's going to be temporary. But but if you're going to go that way, go all the way in. But there is no benefit in faking spirituality. There is no benefit in trying to do it part-time. I need you to know Christianity is an all-or-nothing proposition. In fact, friends of mine, I was at a dinner table not long ago, and somebody asked somebody at the table, were they vegetarian? And so the lady said, yeah, I'm mostly vegetarian. And so somebody said, well, how are you mostly vegetarian? Uh, in other words, they were making the point is that if you eat meat, then you're not vegetarian. In other words, you can't be mostly vegetarian. Either you are or you aren't. And I need you to know that there are certain things you can't do in a mostly way. In other words, you can't be mostly pregnant. You, you can't be mostly in love. You, you can't be sometimes employed. Either you are or you're not. And I can't, I need you to know you can't be mostly Christian. You can't be mostly converted. Either you are converted, born again, washed in the blood, born of the Spirit, or you are not. And so I need you to know you can be growing, but you got to be committed. You can be faulty, but guess what? You still got to be committed. There cannot be any ambiguity about your walk with God. It is an all or nothing proposition, if that makes sense when you say amen. So I need you to understand this about living a conflicted life. Because see, when you're conflicted and you're trying to travel both roads, you get to a place where basic godliness feels like bondage when you're not fully committed to Christ. Let let me say this again. That basic godliness feels like bondage when you're not fully committed to Christ. In other words, when my life is in conflict, everything that's a part of my spiritual journey feels like bondage, like it's restricting me. In other words, when I'm conflicted, just living a sober life feels like bondage when you're conflicted just like modesty feels like bondage like when i'm conflicted like sabbath rest feels like bondage and see i need somebody to understand that one of the things satan is good at is making bondage look like freedom and he can make freedom look like bondage and I need somebody to understand that everything that God has given us in his word, that God has not written anything to restrict us, but every thou shalt not has been designed to preserve us from a greater destruction that our eyes cannot see. And see, I need somebody to understand this about freedom. So I need somebody to get that choosing not to drink is freedom. But having to drink is bondage. Oh, y'all didn't get that tonight. Choosing not to smoke is freedom. But when I have to get one to make it through the day, that's bondage. See, you've told yourself that I drink just to relax. But the truth is you drink just to cope and make it through the day. And it has gotten to a point where it's not freedom, it's actually bondage. See, I need us to understand that choosing not to go off is freedom, but when you just have to explode, that's bondage. And God is trying to get us to a place where we recognize that godliness is not bondage, but it is a higher level of emancipation. It is evidence of your deliverance that if I'm walking according to God's law, it is not God's restriction, it is God protecting and. And preserving me from dangers that that path is going to create. Does that make sense tonight? Next thing I need somebody to get this evening is that the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. How many of us understand that if you've been called out of darkness, that your life ought a little look a little different than it did when you were in darkness? In fact, friends, the Bible says that your life ought to show forth praises. In other words, saints, I need you to get that your greatest praise is not hallelujah. Your greatest praise is not exalted hands. Your greatest praise is not a lap around the sanctuary. Your greatest praise is a life that has been so radically transformed, a life that has been so thoroughly converted that when people see your life that was once broken and it's now hold, that it was once in death and it's now in life, and that was once in darkness but it's now fellowshipping in light. It literally becomes so persuasive that it says, let me get some of what they have. See, I need you to know that your highest praise shouldn't come from your mouth. It ought to come from your life. That your greatest praise shouldn't be in your hands. It ought to be in your character. That your greatest praise ought not be in your dance. It ought to be in your deliverance. And do I have at least five people on the line tonight that show forth praise not just in music, not just in a service, not just with a praise team, but my life is a praise. That my witness is a praise. That my testimony is a praise. And that only happens when I live life in a single direction. Are you hearing me tonight? And the thing that I need somebody to get tonight is that when I live in a conflicted way, that conflicted Christians confuse settling. Hear this tonight. They confuse settling with, with striving. And let me explain what I mean when I say that. See, striving, This and this is all of us trying to be striving believers. Striving is where I lean on God's grace even while I fall short of his standard. Are you with me? But settling is when I nullify God's grace while trying to lower God's standard to the level of my living. In other words, I need you to get the difference. We're striving is I'm falling short. In fact, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But guess what? We're sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. But see, settling is where I nullify the grace of God by trying to lower God's standard to the level of my living. In other words, I'm not going to come up to where God wants me. I'm going to try to bring the standard down to where I am. So, so let me just tell a quick story. Like the story is told of a, of a preacher that went by to visit one of his members. And the member uh, basically had a barn and a farm. And one of the things he noticed is that this member had a number of bullseyes painted on the side of the barn and on those bullseyes, the gunshots were right there in the center of the target. In other words, all of the bullseyes had the bullet shots right there in the center of the target. And and it's crazy because the preacher looked to the man and he says, man, you are a crack shot. I noticed that you hit the bullseye every time that you never seem to miss. And, And the old farmer laughed and he said, no, it's not that I never miss, but whenever I shoot a hole in the barn, I just paint the target around the bullet hole so that it looks like I never miss. In other words, this is the problem. Instead of us aiming at the target, what we try to do is simply paint the target around wherever we're falling short. And I need you to understand this about the grace of God is that the grace of God is not permissive. It is the grace of God that is transformative. And see, the problem is we've made the grace of God a license to sin as opposed to recognizing that it is the power that delivers us and transforms us from sin. In other words, stop painting the target and let God transform you so that you can hit the target. Can you say amen? And so I want to talk about a conflicted life and what it means when you live a life in multiple directions. There are some characteristics of it, and I want you to see that this evening. See, one of the things that happens when you're living a conflicted life is spiritually you get to a place where you're just going through the motions. In fact, Isaiah 29 describes what this looks like. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. In other words, what Jesus says, is that when your life is conflicted, what happens is your worship is just regulations learned by rote. In other words, you get to a place where worship is just a rehearsal. Worship is just the reading of a script, where worship is just the saying of words, where worship is simply a checklist of something that I have to do, as opposed to being about an experience about a God that does all things well. And God is saying that when your life is conflicted, you're just muttering words into the air when you pray. You're just putting songs to lyrics. uh, But when you sing, that, that you get to a place where you're just reading information when you study the Bible, but it is not having a transforming effect because my life is in a conflicted space. Number two, when your life is conflicted, You get to a place where your fruit and your seed do not match. Now, remember what Jesus says. He says, you shall know them by their fruit. And he says, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And he says, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. In other words, what happens is, We will get to a place when we're conflicted is that even though we have been born of the seed of the word of God, we'll look up and all of our fruit is corrupted. And it's funny because we've created a religious paradigm that says I can still have bad fruit and be considered a good tree. But the Bible says, no, you'll know them by the fruit that they are bearing every day. Now, let me say it this way. Some of you in the Huntsville area know our good friend, Brother Artist Sidney. And one of the things, who he is a farmer. And he taught me a principle. He says, Pastor, whenever I'm, I'm planting corn, he says, I will never plant heirloom or, or natural corn seeds too close to the genetically modified seeds. And he says, the reason I'll never plant them too close together is because of what they call cross pollinate, poll- they'll cross pollinate. He says, if the pollen from the fake or genetically modified corn gets on the heirloom or natural corn, what will happen is the pollen will begin to convert the natural corn and it'll take on the texture and the taste of the genetically modified corn. He says, I'll never plant melons and cucumbers too close because they may cross pollinate. He says the pollen from the uh, the cucumbers may get on the melons and what will happen is the melons will take on the taste and the texture of the cucumbers after they get converted. And I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes we try to plant the natural seed of the word against the carnal seed of the world. And what happens is they cross pollinate in the same heart and then the natural seed gets converted. And even though I was born of the spirit, I'll begin to act like the world. I begin to taste like the world. I begin to look like the world. I begin to act like the world because I've got contra- or conflicting seed planted too close together in the same heart. And see, this is why, beloved, you cannot live in a conflicted way. See, this is why it's critical, saints, that your whole life lean in the same direction. This is why godliness feels so hard. You ever wonder why I take one step forward? and two steps back why i'm high today on tuesday but then i'm in the gutter on thursday the reason that is is because sometimes the stuff that i'm planting is in conflict with my desire okay in other words this is why we go back and forward so we start the day with kurt franklin but we end the day with kendrick lamar yeah i can't get no help today in other words, like, like, like we, try to, we try to be secure, but our favorite show is Insecure. I, it's a little quiet in here today. Uh, 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 you know, the problem is I'm planting things that work or nullify the spiritual things that I'm trying to produce. And see, the Bible makes it clear that God is not mocked. That which a man sows, the same shall he reap. And so I cannot sow carnal seeds and reap spiritual fruit. And God is saying, you gotta get to a place where your entire life is leaning in the same direction because we are introducing our own conflict. And see, when I talk about these friends, I'm not talking about this stuff, this gonna make you be lost, this, that, and third. But what I'm saying is, it makes the godly path too hard. You're wondering why, man, I'm so strong here and weak today because, like, I'm trying to stoke a fire with water. In other words, you, you can't get a fire to burn with water. They, they are contradicting. I've got to get an accelerant. I've got to get something that's going to make the fire grow, not something that's going to make the fire go out. Does that make sense today? Third thing that happens when you're conflicted is you'll get to a place where your righteousness is all outwardly focused. In fact, Jesus warned against this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you, have, you, will, ha- you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, friends of mine, when, when you're living a conflicted life, what happens is your stuff is no longer about relationship, it's about reputation. It's no longer about intimacy, it's about image. And God is saying, I'm not gonna judge your reputation. I'm not considering your image. I'm not evaluating at all what people think about you. In other words, they look on the outward appearance, but God says, I'm looking and measuring the contents of your heart. And see, what I'm saying to us, beloved, is we need to spend less time on reputation and a little bit more time on character. In other words, reputation is what people think about you. Character is what God knows about you. And what happens is, friends of mine, when we're conflicted, all of our spiritual activities is based upon my standing in the church. It's about what people are going to think. It's about how they feel or perceive me as opposed to being about a relationship with a Savior who died for you to live in eternal fellowship with him. Does that make sense today? So I want to talk real quick about the characteristics of a life lived in one direction. See, when your life is lived in one direction, you get to a place where you live as if Christ is the only option. In fact, I want you to look here in John chapter 6 like Jesus had done the miracle of the 5,000. After he does that miracle, he begins to talk about the path of discipleship and what that life looks like. And after he finishes preaching, look at what happens. The Bible says that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. But then Jesus said unto the 12, will you go away? But I love what Peter says. He says, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. In other words, the disciples had made it up in their minds that I I, I don't have another option. They've made it up in their minds that there is only one path for me. They have determined that if nobody else gets on this road, We are all the way in with Jesus Christ. And see, the problem is, after 5,000, you had a lot of fans, but you only had 12 followers. And see, the issue is we've got a lot of Jesus fans, but as Mark Batterson said, we don't have that many followers. You see, the thing about a fan and a follower, there's a difference between the two, is that fans only cheer when they're winning. But but, but, but followers are in no matter what the circumstance may be. And see, you've got to get to a place where where Christ is not one of several options. You get to a place where, where Jesus is the only option. Where where, where I'm not choosing between Christ and riches and fame and the job. No, you realize that there there is no option. There is no first or second place. It's Christ or nothing at all where Jesus is the only value you have in life. I think about what Paul says in the church of Philippi. He he lays out everything that he wants value. He talks about how I was born, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, When it came down to executing the law, I was a Pharisee. He literally says, man, I was the chief in the Sanhedrin. But I love what he says. He says, I counted it all dung. That I might know the excellency of Jesus Christ. He says, I lay it all down that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He literally says, Everything that made me something, I counted as dung, as fertilizer as waste that i might know jesus christ and what i'm saying is friends it's good to have degrees i'm with that it's good to have a great house no law against that it's cool to have money it's good to have popularity but i need you to understand that you got to get to a place where you can count it as nothing if it's gonna get in the way of an intimate walk and relationship with jesus christ number two when you're living in the right direction you get to a place where there is a willingness to give up everything. So remember what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you love your father or mother more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine, he says. And he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, then you are not worthy of being mine. I need you to catch this. Now, our discipleship journey is that a place what that for most of us, you may not ever have to make a decision between Christ and your livelihood. You may not ever have to make a decision between Christ and your freedom. Some of us may never have to make a decision between Christ and our employment. You may not be called to make that decision, but you've gotta be willing to. In other words, Christ has to have such supreme value that I'm willing to, even if I'm never called to. You, you see, the life of the believer is, is to live with, with a certain duality to it so that I've got to be willing to be able to live with and yet live as if I had nothing. In other words, I've got to be able to have possessions but place so little value on it that I can walk away from it as a, at a moment's notice and not be as the rich young ruler where when conflicted with the two, I, I walk away from Christ Because I'm in love or in loyal to riches. Does that make sense? Third thing that happens when your life is in a single direction. You get to a place where you realize that the destination is more important than the companions. So remember Matthew 7. Jesus says, because because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leadeth unto life. And he says, there are few who actually find it. I want somebody to understand this. You gotta get to a place, oh help me Holy Spirit, where you want heaven so bad that you're going even if nobody goes with you. That you're willing to get on that straight and narrow road even if you have to get on that road by yourself. And see, you gotta have the security of your walk with God so thoroughly and so pervasive that, that, that the company along the journey is not more important than the destination itself. Uh-huh. Listen, man, let me just say this, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this, but I remember you know, back in, in grad school, uh, you know, we were over in Barron Springs, Michigan, and there were some friends of mine that was trying to, go get, uh, to get me to go and, and, and see a famous cellist over in, in Chicago for the weekend. Now, you know, you know, color me ignorant, uh, color me you know, lacking diversity, but that's just not something I was into at the time or even today, truth be told. Pray for you, boy. Um, and it's crazy because like, man, all my friends wanted to go and they tried to pile up on, they tried to put pressure on me, but I just, I just couldn't be bothered to drive all the way to Chicago to sit in the theater for three hours to see somebody play the cello. That's just not what I was into. And so all my friends, they, they say, Snell, we, we got to go. So some others come over and they say, they're all dressed for the nines. They say, we got to go. My girlfriend at the time batted her eyes and said, we've got to go. But I just made up in my mind that, that that destination was just not something I was willing to entertain, even if it was going to make me be closer to my friends. And I guess what I'm saying, saints, is that if my friends couldn't get me to go see to cello, I can't let my friends... Get me to go and lose my eternal salvation. If friends can't get you to see a certain movie, if friends can't get you to go to a certain place, then association should not cause you to get off of that straight and narrow road and get on that broad road. See, that broad road got a lot of company. There's a lot of traffic on that road. But it is leading to a dead-end street but I want to be on that straight and narrow road that leadeth unto life. Are you hearing the word tonight? So, real quick, I'm rounding the corner into home plate. I want to talk about getting back on a one-way street. Three things real quick, and then we're gonna take our seats. First thing, if you're gonna be on that, live a life without conflict, if you wanna get on that narrow road, number one, you've got to examine yourself. Second Corinthians 13 and verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not realize that christ jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test one of the things friends of mine is we've got to examine ourselves you've got to look at certain spiritual metrics like is my spiritual appetite increasing or is it waning is my love for people increasing or am i becoming indifferent to human suffering You've got to examine yourselves. Like, you know, do I only love those who love me, or do I have the ability to love those that are a little bit less tolerable? You've got to constantly examine yourself. Like, is my faith increasing, or is my faith non-existent? Like, like real thing. Like, you know, real talk. Like, you say you're a believer, but like, do you even have a prayer life? Like, like, do, is is the most Bible you've read today? in this lesson I'm teaching right now. In other words, is the only time you sing to the Lord in a church service? Or do you learn when there is nobody around how to open up your mouth and make a melody unto God? And and you learn how to make, even if you can't sing, you make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In other words, it's not about who sees, it's not just about the community. In other words, your religion ought to travel. It it ought to travel after the benediction. It ought to follow you home from church. I need you to understand, in fact, that the center of your spiritual life ought not be the sanctuary. It ought to be your living room. It ought to be your prayer room. You ought to have a secret place at your address. See, your spiritual life shouldn't be the address of the church. It ought to be your personal address. So you've got to examine yourself to say, okay, am I a believer that only eats one day a week? See, see, you're walking around saying, oh, I don't like that church because the preacher don't feed me. But do you realize shepherds don't take grass and feed sheep? Shepherds just lead sheep where they could eat the grass for themselves. And see, the reason we are so preacher dependent is because we only eat one day a week because we don't know how to take the meat of the word and digest it for ourselves, friends of mine. You gotta do some examination of yourself. Second thing you gotta do, friends of mine, is that there's gotta be some repentance. The bottom line is that we've gotten to a place where some of us have allowed some habits to come back. We've drifted back into some old ways. We've allowed certain things to cloud our judgment, and we've gotta repent or we've gotta turn around and get back on the narrow way. I need you to know the Bible says in Second Corinthians that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads unto salvation, and it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. No. See, the thing I love about biblical repentance, friends of mine, is that it not, it's not based on guilt, no. it's not based on condemnation. Watch this, it's not even based on a fear of hell. See, I need you to know that fear creates temporary repentance. But when it's based on a love relationship, I need you to know that the repentance becomes permanent. Because, see, I need you to understand that all fear-based repentance is only going to last until your fear subsides. But when you're in love, it's going to increase. It's going to grow. But the thing I love about true repentance is that it leaves no regret. See, I need you to understand, beloved, that my only regret about serving God is that I didn't do it sooner. That's my only regret. I wish I had done it a lot earlier in life. See, I need y'all to understand that, that living for the world, it ain't nothing but a life of regrets. But living with Jesus, there are no regrets. So that on a Saturday night, if you live it up for the world, and you in the club and you smoking and you drinking and you shacking and you living that life, I need you to know Sunday morning is regret day. In other words, as your hangover is wearing off, it's regret day. As you're looking over to see who you're next to, that's regret day. As you're trying to retrace your steps and consider the decisions you've made, that's regret day. Because you don't control your tongue to your spouse and your friends, that's regret day. But there ain't nothing like going out on a Saturday night in Christ. And, and you're living in Christ. And guess what? When you wake up Sunday morning, you ain't gotta repent. <laughs> you ain't gotta confess. You ain't gotta retrace your steps. You ain't gotta figure out what you did wrong. There is no regret in Jesus Christ. The only regret you ever have is that you did not do it sooner. Are you hearing the word tonight? Third thing friends of mine, as I close, is we've got to then learn how to pray. Lord, give me an undivided heart. The word says, teach me your way Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. See friends of mine, this is where the deliverance is. Is when you get to that place, where your heart is not divided. See, see, it just will never work as long as I'm trying to be in Christ and kind of be in the world at the same time. And I know, see, and see, when I say, we think, oh, pastor, well, we we gotta be real. We we gotta be relatable. No, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being peculiar. See, some of us focus so much on being different That we go so far that we just become weird. But see, when you're just in Christ, you don't have to try to be different. Christ just makes the difference in your life. Are you hearing the word tonight, saints? And what I'm saying to somebody this evening is that this conflicted life, it doesn't bring any joy. It doesn't bring any contentment. Like, I'm just always one step forward, two steps back. I'm at a place where I'm up today and down tomorrow. It's because my life is leaning in opposite directions. But when all of your life is leaning in the same direction, so that what I study, what I meditate on, what I watch, what I listen to, my associations, when everything is reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing and pushing me down that straight and narrow road, that's when I have joy. That's when I have peace. That's when you begin to overcome in a permanent way. But I need you to understand you cannot have the life you want while you're still entertaining the agencies of this world. Let, let, me, let me say it this way and, and, and just kind of hold yourself. I remember going to visit some people and they had a, a really bad roach infestation. Now I need you to get the reason they had this roach infestation was simply because when you walk in the house, it was food on the floor, crumbs, open jars, trash all over the place. And you know what they said? Man, I don't know why I have this roach problem. I sent the man from the pest control. He came and sprayed two weeks ago, came and sprayed last week and they sprayed, you know, they're spraying. I don't know why these roaches keep coming. And I had to help my friend know, like it doesn't matter how much they come and spray until you clean up. It is the way you're living that is giving an audience to the very thing you hate. So, so, so the issue is, you're, you're trying to spray, you're trying to spray it away, but it ain't going to happen until you just start cleaning up your life. And see, there are some of us that we, we hate the addiction. We hate the consequences of sin. We hate the access that it brings. But see, the problem is we want God to come just spray grace all over it. And God's word to somebody today is, listen, my grace is sufficient, but at some point you gotta clean your life up. That, that you gotta put some things in the trash that you got to wipe the counters down in your life, that you got to take the trash bag out of the house. In other words, you cannot keep leaving things in that's going to invite in the pest that you despise. And see, the problem is we want a clean life without having to have a clean life. And God is saying, you've got to get to a place where, where you're willing to let some things go. you got to stop entertaining the conflict Or guess what the infestation will never ever leave let me just say this there's a reason that the enemy worked so hard to keep somebody from hearing this message tonight because see this message is about your direction because see there's somebody listening tonight you are on that broad road we know where it is the Bible says that that broad road with a bunch of company and a lot of friends, I need you to know that road leadeth unto death and uh, unto damnation. But God is saying, I need you to get on that one-way street where, where you never ever turn around again. I want you to be on that straight and narrow road that leadeth unto eternal life. So I need you to understand, friends of mine, that even as you hear me talking about cleaning up this, that, and the other, I need you to understand that it begins with a decision to receive Jesus into the heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become like new. And there is somebody tonight that needs to begin the new birth experience. where where you are born again in Christ, where by faith you receive the gift of salvation that was purchased through his blood. And so I want to encourage somebody tonight, maybe you're hearing the gospel for the first time, or maybe you're just in a position where you can really hear it and respond to it for the first time in a long time. Right now in the comments, a decision link is coming up. Or on your screen, there is coming up some information about ways to connect or ways to join. I wanna encourage you to click on that link or go and visit us at oucsda.org. Click on the connect card and right there tonight, Saints. Don't do it tomorrow, don't do it down the line. Don't say, let me, let me get myself right, then I'll respond. No, you respond and Jesus is the one who gets you right. And there's somebody that needs to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You need to have the old life washed away in the watery grave and you need to begin a new journey in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're there online in Huntsville, maybe you're in Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, it doesn't matter where you're watching from, but you need to make it up in your mind tonight to say, I'm going all the way with Jesus Christ. I cannot delay. I'm not putting it off. I realize even as you measure your day, you realize that the enemy put all kind of stuff in your path so that you could not hear this word and respond because he doesn't want you to get on that one-way street. He wants to keep you on the broad road, but do not be a hostage any longer. Do not be a slave any longer. Right now is your emancipation moment. So right now, I need you to click on that link and say, I'm going all the way. I'm clicking on the link and saying, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. I want to become a member of the Oakwood University Church. I'm going all the way in fellowship with him. And maybe there's somebody else that's in the Word. Maybe you're already in the faith. You've been baptized. But you're saying, okay, Lord, I realize my error. I realize why I'm not progressing. I understand why it's so herky-jerky and sporadic and up and down and back and forth, why there's so much fluctuation. I'm not on a one-way street. I'm trying to merge opposing worlds. And you need to make it up in your mind tonight to say, nope, I'm getting on a one-way street. I'm not looking in my rearview mirror. I'm gonna stay on this road even if nobody goes, until Jesus comes. I'm going to examine myself. I'm going to make sure all of my content that I digest is pushing me in the same direction so that I don't allow cross-pollination to take place inside of me. I want to live for Christ. I want to live unto Christ, and I'm recommitting myself to Him tonight. So right now, if you're doing that for the first time, maybe you're recommitting, Right now in your home, you're standing and we're just lifting both hands to Jesus Christ and we're saying, Lord, we're yours. We're giving ourselves wholly unto you. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our, to brighten up our path. And Father, tonight there, there are some hard things that were said, but it, this is a decision message because some of our somebody's spiritual trajectory has to change. You've ordained this message to be Heard tonight so so that they can make the needed turn, so they can get off the exit and get on the one-way street sign that leadeth unto life. So Lord, my prayer tonight is that somebody who is hearing the gospel for the first time or somebody that needs to get off of the broad road, that you would strengthen them to respond to your word, to say yes, to make a firm and open decision to follow after you. And Lord, I'm praying for those who are already persuaded, who are just wondering, why am I always up and down? Why am I back and forth? Why is it so herky-jerky, Jesus? Lord, help us to get to a place where our whole life is leaning in the same direction. Help us to do some real reflection. Help us not to just get off the line tonight and turn on the TV or turn on the game, but may we be still in your presence. May we examine our prayer life. Can we look at our faith? Can we look at how we treat people? Can we we examine, teach us to examine whether or not we even have a witness anymore? Help us to examine ourselves, God, and not let our conviction off of the hook by just going on to the next thing. Help us to be still so you can finish saying what you've got to say to the church. Father, help us to go all the way. Help us to not turn back. Help us not to go back the way we came you never told us that the road would be easy, but we believe that you've just bought us too far to leave us. So Lord, would you bless us? Would you put your seal upon us? Would you give us a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit? And as we not, we're not making a decision to say, we're gonna try you, Lord. We're saying we're committed. We're functioning like followers, not like fans. We're like the disciples who say, Lord, Where else are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. We're going all the way with you. Bless and keep us as only you can. We pray in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us again tonight.